Welcome to the Not Your Average My podcast, where four Hmong American women working to move our community forward one conversation at a time. So tune in every month with Liz, Mania, Monica, and Katie as we dive into politics, pop culture, and all things related to being Hmong American. Let's get it! Hey listeners, we hope this new year is off to a great start and that you are very rested and refreshed. Um, we have been wanting to talk about this fun topic for a while, but haven't had the chance to. And one of our listeners actually sent us a BuzzFeed article about finances and relationships and has suggested that we talk about this on our podcast. So thought that this might be the great opportunity for us to do so. Um, our topic today will be focusing on finances and relationships and what that means to sh- equitably share income and expenses when you are in a relationship or a marriage. So this must be article, the title is My Fiance Makes 600K and I Make Less Than 50,000 and We Have No Idea How to Split the Bills. So this person was recently engaged. They're having a hard time wrapping their head around how to equitably share income and expenses. We can link this article for you all to read. Uh, We're not going to dive too much into it, but around the, uh, the concept of of this topic, you know, like how would you expect to split income expenses in a relationship where your partner might make more than you or where you might make more than your partner? So really um, looking forward to kind of hearing your thoughts, Liz and Monica. Woo, when I first saw this, I was like, damn, what does your fiance do though? Like how do they make <laughs> K a year? Like I need that job. Um, I think that he was a doctor. Really? Mm-hmm. Doctors make that much? Yeah, depending on um, what their specialty is. Mm. I mean, I think it really depends on the couple, just like what the author replied back. Like, every couple looks different, right? There's no right or wrong way on how you split your finances. But I do think in this situation, if I was her, I obviously – would rely on my partner to cover most of it. And I would hope that my partner would be supportive in the fact that like, I am the like lower earner. And I think there's just a natural expectation there that he would cover more of the expenses. Right. Um, I didn't read too in depth in the article, but I mean, to me, I I'm the lower earner, right. With Nick. So automatically Nick and I have always known that like if there's anything fun that he wants to do that like I necessarily can't afford he'll spot me right if there are you know shared expenses now that we have like a home and whatnot like obviously I'm going to try my best to contribute what I can but I think there's just like a natural level expectation that like yeah most of his paycheck is going towards a mortgage and maybe my paycheck is like going towards groceries or, Mm -hmm. you know, like small utility bills. Right. Like I think that's how we balance it out. Like, but for this girl, I don't know. I, I would just expect that like my partner would cover most of it and then I would cover small stuff, but I didn't, I didn't read and I don't know what they ultimately ended up doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think this question of like, how do you equitably, sorry, I can't, pronounce that word equitably share income and expenses in your relationship I feel like it's so important because for any relationship to work you kind of have to 
have some sort of shared values around finances, knowing that like everyone has a relationship with money, no matter how much you don't want to, you're going to have to like that. That's just how this world functions in a capitalist society. So for me, like I'm always curious, like sharing income and expenses and relationships, are they different when you actually get married? And do you feel like for you and Nick, it's been any different? Yes and no. Because I, I think when we were dating also, right, like there was always an understanding that Nick had more money than me. So I naturally always, you know, would be the like bargainer, the budgeter. But for Nick, I think that was really hard because like I said, he would like want to do things that were more expensive. So obviously, you know, he would spot me for those things. But when we we're living together. Yeah, we would like equally pay rent, right? When we both had like jobs that were paying us the same amount, we would, you know, split rent and we would try to like split groceries or like he'd cover one bill, I'd cover the next bill. Um, I mean, I think that still applies now that we're married, but we have a house and we're legally married now. So most of our money funnels into one shared account now. Like his paycheck, my paycheck. We still have separate accounts because obviously I, you know, I have my own separate account and so does he, but everything mostly just goes into this shared account. Um, cause we have a shared credit card that we just use everything for. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no, like, at least right now there's no like, Oh, I'm only putting 75% of my paycheck into, you know, our shared account and, and it's the same for him. And I, I think for us, that's just, it just works easier because it, it means less money management but, but it do, it doesn't restrict us either, if if that makes sense. Like Nick's never been like you can't spend money, you know, on this or like you should. I I've never been like you can't spend money on this unless it's his shoes. And I'm like <laughs> you need to you need to cross check that with. Me. But you know, yeah. I, at the end of the day, I I still know it's like our shared pool of money. So like I've never been one to restrict him from buying anything. And if there is a big purchase, like we would always talk it out together. So I don't know. It's different, but it's also not. Yeah. I think it's just different now that everything's really formalized. Yeah. Liz, I'm really curious to hear your perspectives. Like in the dating world, how do you equitably share expenses? Like when you go out and, you know, who pays for dinner or I feel like in relationships when in the dating world, knowing that you're not quote unquote marry yet like you don't have to share expenses or even when you're married you don't have to share expenses like how do you do that in a way that is fair to both parties yeah well I think um maybe just stepping back like whether you're married or dating it's um important to like kind of have a shared understanding right of of how you're gonna like manage things um and sometimes it's just natural sometimes you have to talk about it um because like there are different arrangements for different people, right? Um, I think some people are more relaxed and some people are much stricter. Um, I have a friend who, like, she and her partner, regardless of how much they make, they contribute equally to a going out fund and Mm -hmm. they can only go out if they have enough money, right? Um, And, I mean, it's no one really tracks it. So sometimes, like, she knows she makes more money, so she puts more in. So she's like, okay, we can, you know, go do whatever. Um, I think for me, like, it's pretty fair. I make less money or I have less assets. And so, um, 
I mean, I will buy things, right? Like, and nice things for like, I want to go see a play or something, but um, usually my partner pays for like the food um, and, and drinks. And that's just kind of how it is. And then we also just, I don't know, we don't do a lot of expensive things. <laughs> um, and we cook at home a lot. So like, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, and I think it also depends on like where you are kind of maybe in the dating phase. Cause I think for some people, um, like the guy paying for stuff as a signifier of things, I, I've never really like thought that way. Like I've always thought that it was really important to like split things equally. Um, Yes, you know, 100%. Me and Nick did that in the beginning, me. too. I just have to. <laughs> and that's why he was like, my mom said that I should marry the girl who always offered to pay. So that's why I married Oh, you. wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. nice. like, wow. Well, I'm glad I offered to split well, the bill. Nick met you. He was like, yep, she's the one. That's what my mom told me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's love at first check. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that makes sense. I mean, it, and I mean, it also depends on like your your values, right? Like, I had a, a coworker, really nice, really handsome, and he was like, "Liz, you should let the guy buy like at least the first date a couple times, and then maybe on like the fourth date, like you offer to pay or you pay." But like, I don't know, it's it's weird. Like, and so it, it really depends on on the couple and your partner, um, I, I guess, but. For me, right, like Monica and I have the same mom and I always feel like, you know, you have to also show interest and and split the bill because um, I'd also just be like really uncomfortable if someone was like buying things for me like all the time. Similarly to Monica, I think, I think Tom and I moved in probably like a year into dating already. So when we lived together, we we're kind of making around the same amount given, you know, a few thousand dollars apart. Um, so we split everything almost evenly even with groceries like I would Venmo him if he paid for that and people always found that to be weird but I'm like well I don't know about you all but for me if I'm dating somebody I don't want to feel like I owe you anything in terms yes of like, I was just gonna say that yes, yeah 100%. but then like that's also like in terms of like if we ever break up I don't want to feel like you know you felt like I took advantage of you mm-hmm. or whatever right Absolutely. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> owe you also, nothing like yeah. I can hold my own and also, I also didn't want to like give quote unquote give too much in a relationship if we're not if, if we're not that serious, right? Like, yes, living together is serious, but to me, like, if we're not gonna work through certain things and get to a place where we can see ourselves long term, then I don't want to have to like have spent all of my money on you. I don't know. So to me, when I was dating, like when we we're in the dating phase, I always bet on him if he paid for a lift or if he paid for um for groceries and I think when we got engaged that was when things I I feel like that 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 kind of shifted our perspective or at least my perspective on sharing our income and and expenses so like when we got engaged and we bought our house I think we split almost everything equally but I also felt like it was okay for me to like spend more or like for him to spend more because you know we're gonna build a life together um but yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like my perception about money and sharing income and expenses with my partner changed when obviously we got married. That's so true. But I think it's also the opposite, right? And I'm sure we'll talk about this later. But 
I'm not trying to be with a partner who's not pulling their weight either. Oh, yeah. Why would I be that person? Right. So like, absolutely. You know, I think in the beginning, when you are getting to know someone, it's very much like, does this partner have a stable job? Can I see myself, you know, with them Mm -hmm. in the future? Because if they're if they don't got their shit together now, what is it going to look like in the future? And, you know, that's not to say that like girls are just trying to gold dig or that like I, I need a man who has a job. But like, I think in any partnership, at least now, considering our lifestyles and just how expensive housing is, like you'd want someone who can equally contribute, right? Yeah. So why would you not want to equally contribute back? Um, but I don't know. Again, every relationship is different. It's, it so- is. <laughs> I would say like it's important to always adjust and see what works best, right? Like I feel like how we have managed our finances together have not always stayed the same. So there was a point when I was making more than Tong and we still have split things almost evenly but that was because I know that I spend less than him so I was able to save a chunk of amount of money for us mm-hmm. to you know do certain things right or like invest in certain things like a house so I still had him <laughs> pay his share and then when he made a little bit more I like now he pays like for mortgage and all the big bills and then I pay for a sure credit card which we use for groceries, eating out, entertainment, whatever else, traveling, right? And that also kind of equals to the amount that he's paying for like a mortgage and um, yep. and the big bills. But I feel like if he pays the bills more, that means that I get to save more in our shared savings accounts. So it, it works out in that way. But I do think it is so important to make sure that you have your personal savings accounts, even if you're married. Like you got to have money for yourself yes. in case anything ever happens. Yes. So, so important to keep your own money and like women should make their own money. <laughs> yes. That's yes. Really yeah. Let's talk about that. The, what is it called, Mania? The fuck it fund? <laughs> is that what it's called? Yes. The F you fund. Uh, yeah. The fuck you fund. <laughs> I mean, it's um, the same thing, basically. It's the same thing. Yes. But no, it's so true. And, and I think for especially women from our communities, right, who are always underprivileged. Um, we have less, like, buying less power, options right? and less, mean, less options. Nice. Yeah, and just the, the power dynamics are different. Like, it's so important to have that separate, you know, emergency fund for mm-hmm. if and when you do need it, right? And I, I don't remember if we talked about this in previous episodes, but um, I think just the ability to have – that financial freedom but that option to have that financial freedom is so important because you never know. You really truly never know mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Um, no matter how much you love your partner, no matter how long you've been together, like one day something could happen. Like they could die. Your partner might leave you, you know, you might want to leave them. Like, yeah. Anyways, yeah. we can, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And to add to that, I feel like my perception about money has always been shaped by my parents' relationship with money mm-hmm. and the sense of that my mom never really worked. Like she always stayed home to take care of me and my siblings. My dad was the one who made the money and she saved a lot of money. But I feel like there was also a lot of abuse in the relationship. And there would be times where he's like, you're on disability. You know, like you you only receive disability income. Like 
obviously the power dynamics in the relationship clearly my dad uses my mom's disability against her he's the one who makes the money he's the one who should control how the household is run right so i feel like growing up my parents have always made it especially my mom like has always made it very clear that as as women we need to make our own money and never depend on any guy or any partner to financially support us so i feel like that has shaped how i perceive money and and women's earning power and why it's so important um so curious Liz, like how how has your experiences been like have shaped your perception about money and and relationships yeah i mean i think for me it's always been really important to to have money right like ever since um you know we we were young like i have wanted to make money and like have it um, just because obviously like we when we come from impoverished communities or communities that have like Monica said have been um historically marginalized and so um I was the eldest and I as a really precocious child like was always really aware of um you know when my parents would have conversations about um monthly budgets and you know whatever else yeah so even as even as a young child you know like I because I was really precocious would always eavesdrop and hear my parents, um, you know, talk about um, their finances and the budget. And, um, you know, one one big thing for us was uh, my dad was the first person to get his uh, bachelor's and master's in his family. And so um, they had his student loans until like, I was eight. And I remember when my mom was like, don't go to grad school like your dad, because you'll be paying for it forever. Right. And so we had like you know, there were three, four of us kids maybe already until um, my dad could pay off his student loans. And so for us, like that was like a really, really big financial burden. Um, so I, I like I've always been really cognizant of like not having money. And like you said, like I'm still learning, um, you know, how to how to think about money and like trying to figure out my relationship with it um, as I, I've, I've grown up and also right like in in my day job, like I, I do policy, I've done policy for a long time. And, um, you know, one of the things that I'm always thinking about is how to, you know, help and how to think about like those like household economics and how to help, you know, normal middle class families, because the way that we think about money is very different than how um, wealthy people think about money, right? Like, um, I know you guys all bought homes. Um, I'm trying to see if I can buy a home also, right? But what I didn't understand was, um, you know, when when rich people get together, um, they talk about money and, um, you know, they talk about um, interest rates and, and like tax credits and stuff, right? And um, I don't know that like when you're looking to buy a house, you should look at the mortgage interest deduction, right? And like some people who are like very, very, um, you know, who've talked money forever, like they take that into consideration when they're like, you know, looking at the price of a house. I didn't know that. Right. So, so for me, like always learning and understanding that like, I do come from like kind of almost like a deficit mindset when I'm thinking about money and, um, you know, we, we think about cash and stuff like, and, and it's, it's very different when we think about assets because I have no assets, you know? So just trying to like figure out, um, um, how I can build wealth for like my kids and like also trying to unlearn a lot of like the habits that like, you know, I grew up with or just kind of like inherited too. Um, it's messy and so complicated because even though I'm in my thirties, <laughs> I'm still figuring it out. And that's okay. I feel like personal finances is personal, right? And like everybody is on their own financial journey. 
as long as like you set goals that you want to accomplish that are reasonable to me, like that's much more important to have that progress and to really work towards these financial goals that you have for yourself. And and I say that because it's so much harder when you have parents who, you know, where they can't provide you a cushion if you want to buy a home, like they can't give you that money for a down payment. Um, so, you know, don't feel bad at all, Liz. Thanks, Boo. I feel like there's so much that we didn't learn growing up and that even now as people who are, you know, earners and like we have assets now, like we're definitely still learning. Like even though we bought a house, Liz, like I still know nothing about buying a house. Like I just did what my realtor told me to do and tried to like learn everything on the spot because the process was so daunting, so long, so confusing, right? Um, and I'm sure Manya can speak to this too. Like, but to, you know, in order to like be able to buy a home, right, you need to have like good credit and you need to have a history of like employment for like three years and all this other stuff so that they can scrutinize you and make sure that you can actually afford your mortgage, right? Or, you know, even like learning how to invest and buy stocks and like index funds. Like I should have done that like two years ago when I wanted to, you know, back in 2020 when I, when I try to set that as a personal goal. And I didn't because I felt like I still wasn't earning enough and I still had a lot of debt from school that I felt like I couldn't invest. But that is my goal this year mm-hmm. to start investing in stocks yes. and in the funds um, so I can start personally earning in my own name, right? Cause I, or, you know, shared with Nick because Nick has a lot of his own, you know, inherited from his, his family and whatnot. But I think it's so important and like, you know, just following simple accounts like on social media is so useful. Um, I know, Manya, you listen to a podcast, right? And like I follow Investing in Rose with Rose Han. I think. Oh, on yeah. I used YouTube. to follow her. Yeah. she. I think she's been less frequent, but like yeah. just starting off with small things like that, right, was like I really think you're the one who introduced her to me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you didn't introduce her to me. <laughs> I did. I did it with all of you because yeah. – she would give oh. like a free – she had like a free cheat sheet, right? And like these are sem- sample, simple stock like options that you can invest mm-hmm. in that are like easy, passive, you know, investments that you don't have to monitor and like play mm-hmm. on the market, right? Like I don't even know half those things are, but I I say this to share with folks who are, that are listening that like I think it's so important to continue learning even if you are, yeah. you know – just beginning or already like well established, right? There's like so many other ways to to develop your your equity. Um because yeah, what is yeah. that? And like as women, I feel like it's so important for us to do that, especially among women. It's so important for us to invest in your in ourselves. And that means investing in ourselves financially as well, right? Like I, I feel like Tong and I had kind of different perceptions about money based on how we grew up. Um so for him, like money isn't everything. His happiness isn't tied to money, which is fair. You know, he doesn't need to be the one making the most money, whatever, right? But to me, I'm like, well, my kids are not going to be poor. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, I want to have money for them to go to college, Want you know, to be able to afford a home or like really setting them up for success and really start building that generational wealth. So for me, I felt like my financial goals were all were always kind of different from Tong's until we got married, until we got a house together, until we had to save up to pay for our wedding. And now, like as we're kind of thinking about family planning, we're much more aligned now with like, oh, like wanting to 
invest in ourselves and save and make making sure that like we can take care of our family financially and making sure that our kids have the resources that they, that they need to be successful and to thrive and you know to not suffer and like really go through challenges like the way that we did so that's to say i feel like i had to take that initiative to learn how to invest and buy index index funds like i didn't learn that from tom <laughs> like i had to go watch youtube videos and how to you know listen to different finance podcasts and just keep on like i just i i feel like i had to read on my own to be able to learn how to do certain things because he wasn't he wasn't interested in investing the ways that i was right because he has stocks from airbnb he has stocks from facebook mm-hmm. so like that was his way of investing um but for me like i didn't have any stocks so that meant that like i needed to you know go into the stock market and learn how that was going to work um so for me like that's just to say i am so strongly believe that women especially need to invest in themselves financially and that means like learning different financial concepts that our parents never taught us or that we never learned in school but as you're kind of thinking about family planning and taking care of your kids like these are things that you got to do for yourself can i just want to say oh go ahead yeah Yeah. well i i just want to give you props Mania, because you are so good and you are so consistent i know you push tong you push me you push all of us you're always like i'm sorry no no but it's good because you're always like you you are worth so much you should ask for more money and like get paid more Mm -hmm. and and like i love that you're always thinking about that because again like um for all of us money is so different. And and I will say, right, like for for my dad, too, they're always like, oh, money is evil, money's all evil. And like, my dad also didn't really value that a lot. And so, you know, like, I think for me, it took me a really long time to understand, like, when people say, like, what are your salary requirements, right? Like, that's a question for me to think about the lifestyle I want to lead, and think about how much I want to make, how much I want to pay rent, and then come up with salary requirements. I didn't know I could do that, you know, and I didn't know that that was something I could ask for. Right. And so I just want to thank you for always pushing us to say, hey, like, you know, you, you need to ask for more money, you need to make money. Um, and, and like, it's, it's different because I think for us, like, Hmong people are, are uh, very communal and we come from a very like community oriented kind of like mindset. And so sometimes, right, like, I think I can see why my parents would be like, oh, money isn't everything. And it kind of isn't. Um, but, you know, in a society like ours, like it kind of is, right? And so I just want to give you props for that because we're all learning because you push us um, and growing too. So thank you. Plus one to that. And we always deserve more. You don't mm-hmm. think you deserve more, but the number you give them, you will always, you'll deserve even more than that. But that's that's just how ca- capitalism works. My yes. follow-up question, Manya, was do you think now like that you and Tong have – grown through a lot more of these adult decisions like do you think tong's mindset has changed um and like how did you get there right like was it just oh like tong sees mania learning and self-learning and like now that we are married i see her like i i agree with her i think we do need to plan more because i i i also agree that like i think me and nick also had very different um spending habits. And it was very hard, right? Because internally, I was always like, I can't spend this much money. I don't have that much money. Like, I can't go to Coachella with you. But then, you know, for him, <laughs> he was like, 
why are you saying that? I can pay for you. Like, why are you making such a big deal? You know, and for me internally, right? It's like, I, I don't want you to have to pay for me for these things. And, you know, he, he obviously spends a little bit more than me, right? Because I don't have those interests and I never knew about those interests. So like, I think for me, I'm curious to learn, like, how did you change your dynamic or how did Tong, like, is he there yet with you, you know? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I I think he, I think our, our values around financing our future is more aligned now. Like, yes, he knows that, like, to his core, money isn't everything, but he knows that he needs to also be financially independent, financially stable, if we are to have kids, right? Like, our kids would be in daycare, you know, we live away from our family, like, we can't expect our parents to take care of our kids if we were to continue to live in Virginia. So he understands that, which is awesome. We do have, you know, different spending habits. Like he, I feel like we're pretty, we're pretty good about not spending like what we can't pay for. Like our credit cards, we our joint credit card, we pay, we pay in full every single month, right? So like we pay for what we know we yeah. can afford. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but he does indulges and in stuff that he loves. And for example, like he bought a Peloton, right? Or he bought a, a car that he has al- always wanted since high school without telling me. And yeah, like when I found out, I was just like, what the hell? Like, why the hell would you buy a car and not tell me? I didn't know that he bought a oh car until. God, I, I didn't know. That he bought- you I never told me. Yeah, I didn't know that he bought a car um, in Eclipse until it arrived at our house <laughs> it was shipped, shipped from north carolina tisk, tisk. i got words for you <laughs> so like yes it wasn't too much but then you know the down uh what is it the down payment to sorry not down payment the deposit to pay for how much it was gonna cost to fix the card it wasn't gonna amount right so i was just like why would you spend this much when we have a wedding to play to pay for but i also have to take a step back and like understand where he's coming from and the sense in that you know he's gonna enjoy his life like he's gonna buy things that he wants or that he loves or or, or things that will bring him joy and yes. I feel like I've had to learn to do that. the same like he has taught yeah. me how to do that because you know there were times growing up or even in my 20s where I would go shopping and I would really want something and then I would be online and I would be like, oh, fuck it. I'm not going to buy it. And then I would put it back. Right. So now and Tom always makes fun of me. So now Tom. So, but I'm telling you, like, I feel like I grew up being so frugal that I've learned to also invest in myself and in in terms of buying things that bring me joy, right? Like, I love my plants. I'm going to buy the best pots for my plants. Like That's, you know, that's what I'm going to do. But I think he's helped me have a healthier relationship with money in the sense of that, hey, like I can, I can invest in myself by spending money that on on things and experiences that bring me joy, right? So it's gone both ways. I think long term, we are much more aligned now. Um, But it's always a journey, like it's always a process of like unlearning things that you were taught about money. Because for my parents, like they're very, very frugal, like they are always like, you know, you know, like don't spend money, save your mm-hmm. money, um, stop eating out. Mm-hmm. Like they would, they would always remind <laughs> us of these things. And yeah, like I used to feel so guilty for even freaking like ordering in, but now you know what? Like if we can afford it, we'll do it, right? Um, 
So yeah, I don't know if I'm really answering your question, but. No, it does. And I love that because I feel like, you know, we have all come from that place of scarcity and just yeah. insecurity, right? Financial insecurity where we're young and broke and we don't have money and we're just like always nickeling and diming everything. So I love that. I feel like that you both have grown so much and to just have the ability to, you know, deserve the nice things in life. Like you do. Like I know. I used to say that all the time to him. Like I feel like I'm, I'm so happy to hear that, you know? Um, And that makes me happy because I feel like I was, you know, very much in a similar place. And Nick was always like, don't worry, we are fine. So stop freaking out, you know? Um, but I think the bigger question also is, did you sign a prenup when you and Nick, when you and Tong got married? Because I think we talked about this previously. We talked, yeah. But yes. okay, so let's go into the details because I okay, I feel like reading different articles about marriage and our millennial generation, like more millennials are are okay with the idea of getting prenups, right? Like if you were to talk to maybe folks of like other generations, they feel like prenups are so stigmatized. Like it's only for wealthy people or, you know, it's um it's a sign that you're going to get a divorce or like you want a divorce. So like, why would you ever want to get a prenup? Hey, so, I'm a millennial. I still feel that way. And I can explain later, but wait, I understand. I understand okay. the so to answer your question, Tong and I did not, but I wanted to for the longest time. And let me explain why I changed my mind. So for folks who don't know, you know, prenups, it's a contract between two individuals entering a marriage. And you usually list like all the property assets that each person owns, debt debts that each person brings into the to, to the marriage and who's going to be responsible if the couple splits or if someone passes away, right? So for me, we bought a house before we got married legally. And like, I'm not rich, but I also... Like, I also made money, you know? Like, I, I reached the financial goals that I wanted to before I turned 30. I felt like I was in a, gr- a good place financially to be able to get married. And I wanted to make sure that, like, if he ever wants to divorce me, he's not going to take my money, <laughs> right? Like, I'm going to protect the assets that I bring into this relationship. So I wanted a prenup. He Tom was very open to the idea of it. Like, for him, he was like, whatever makes you happy, if you want it, we'll do it. But after looking at our numbers, right, like looking at the assets that I have, the ones that he has or his stock options, retirement, et cetera, um, and the debt that he has, right? Like I don't have any student loans. So I'm like, I'm not bringing debt into a relationship. I want to make sure that I, I'm protected in that way. Um, so after looking at our assets, he had a little bit more. But if you were to look at his student loans, like that would kind of bring him down to a number where where I was at. So I feel comfortable with us not getting a prenup because we're entering a relationship with, you know, a similar value in terms of, in terms of assets. Um, but if I were to have like significantly more, I think I would have really pushed for the prenup, but we're really just entering in with, with something very similar. So that was my experience. You know, I, I do feel like my, some of my, some of my sisters were still very adamant that I got a prenup knowing that, you know, they feel like they they know who I am as a person that like, I'm going to always earn more. And if he were to divorce me, like, in the state of Virginia, you would divide your assets and your debt equally, right? So yeah, like one sister obviously was not happy that that I didn't get a prenup. Um, but I just had to accept that that was the, the decision that we both made. 
But yeah, Monica, I'm curious to hear that. how your experience was. And then Liz, we got to get to your perception about the stigma of prenups. So for the longest time, I think I was on the other side where I thought that like prenups were for only rich people. And yeah, I found it very offensive that like, you know, Nick even suggested it. Like, why would you ask me to, you know, sign a prenup? I would never take your money, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, only until yes, talking to you and like doing my own research and finally realizing that like prenups are not just for wealthy people. It really is there to protect you, right. As, as a, an individual. And as we've talked about, you know, as woman, right. As someone who has less like power in the relationship. Um, so Nick and I initially did have some conversations about that, but, um, I think eventually we actually decided to go against it. And Nick actually said, well, I, I, like, I don't, we don't need the prenup, right? Um, because everything before the marriage technically is, you know, belongs to him at only anyway. And it's just everything earned during our marriage that, um, you know, could, should be split evenly between us if we were ever to divorce because California is a co- community property state, right? Which means that like, in general, any property acquired by either spouse during the marriage is presumed to be equally owned by both spouses, right? Um, however, the more the down payment that we made in the house because it did it was significantly just you know his income. Like I signed an agreement that like if we were to separate like that money that he put down for the house would one hundred percent belong to him, but everything else afterwards, right? All our income you know, all the mortgage paid would be split 50, 50, just because, um, that's how California is. Um, so I think at the end of the day, you know, he was okay with that. I was okay with that. I have no assets, just like Liz said. Um, so I wasn't the person who felt like I had a lot to offer aside from like the emotional, you know, physical contribution to the relationship. Right. Um, so we did not sign a prenup either, but I think, you know, there was already an understanding with me and Nick that like everything we have put into our marriage now will equally 50-50 be like split between us. And and like I came into the marriage with debt too and Nick knows that and he's actually helped me pay off a lot of my debt just so that we can, you know, bring down the debt and like increase our equity, right? Um, so I'm curious, I don't know. I'm curious yeah. like without the prenup, Okay, so just for listeners, like, I, I really research how things are in your state, right? Because each, each, each state, state is has different. different. Yeah, each state is very different. So with California's law, how do you determine that, hey, like, Nick had this amount before marrying you, before you both got married, if there wasn't a prenup? Like, how, how do you define that or identify that? So I think in theory, you would just count – and like present everything, right. That was purchased and bought whatever, um, as of like your legal married, married date, marriage date. Right. Um, because there's, there's definitely paperwork, right. And like proof of when we got married, when we bought the house, um, you know, when we made X, Y, Z purchases and then there's everything else, right. That like predates that. Like, I think that we automatically knows, if we were to divorce, you know, would like stay with him. 
Um, and then, like I said, the agreement that I signed that said like the down payment for the house would go back to Nick because he made that down payment. Um, at least in theory, that is, I think, how California state law would operate unless, you know, we there was something that maybe there was a loophole. But at that point, I mean, Nick is a lawyer, so he could just lawyer up and be like, these assets were pre, pre-marriage. So these are, you know, these belong to me, not Monica. But I could probably argue that I like, you know, supported him through law school and that was like pretty killer and <laughs> whatever he owned like earned during his you know uh lawyering days like I I'm equally entitled to but again we were already legally married when he began his you know big law career so you know everything here earns like we said would be equally split yeah and we're not giving legal advice but this is how we think it'll work for us. 100% in, in California and in all the other states yeah so Liz, say more about your perception about prenups. Like, do you, like ideally, would you would you have one? Would you not? Sure. So, I mean, like you guys, um, I had a really good friend in college whose sister was a lawyer, and she's like, the best thing a woman can do for herself is to, you know, get a prenup done because um, they are sometimes well assets, but it's basically just a contract, right? And you can write in whatever you want, like some celebrities. Um, have clauses that say, oh, if so-and-so cheats and so-and-so, then like they don't get money, right? Or they don't get things. And so it's kind of like whatever you agree to. Um, had some acquaintances who were like, oh, we signed a prenup and it's better for for the woman. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Um, but it, it to me, I think maybe it's a little colored by our parents and I'm an older millennial. Apparently that's called an elder millennial. Um, I'm like of the opinion. I mean, I want to fall in love. <laughs> so like I, for me, like to even suggest that there will be a time when maybe like you fall out of love. I don't know. It kind of like, to me, kind of like foreshadows um, that. And so I, I think that's where I just, that's something I can't get over. Um, but my friend's sister would be like, no, you need to sign these terms when you're most happy with each other. And you need to, you know, like come with these like terms when you're, you're amicable. Right. And so, you know, it may be more, more equal, um, because you're both happy people, like, you know, signing this agreement, you know, and it's before any emotions or whatever. And so I get that, but also I'm kind of like, I want to like, go fully in and be like, Hey, like forever's forever. And we talked about this on some other episodes where I'm like, my greatest fear is a divorce. And like, for me, I will, if I have to, but like, I like when I get married, want it to be forever. So it's just that like wishful thinking, I guess that like, I just can't hop over this to be like, Oh, in case of a divorce, <laughs> this is what happens. Um, which is like the least strategic, least like smart thing, but it's just like, Oh, I think maybe for certain things like love and relationships, it's different. And maybe it's not a rational thing. Um, so that's kind of like my, my issue fit. Like I understand everything and like Monica too. Cause I, you know, my mom's like, your money is your money. Like I wouldn't want to take anything, you know, that's not mine. And maybe it does depend on which state I get married in. Right. Cause I will say like, yeah, if we are together, I think anything we earn together should be split separately. I think that's fair. Um, but maybe that means I have to get married in the right state. <laughs> I know I'm not, I'm not familiar with Minnesota's policy around that we don't have a common law marriage um so you actually have to get married married um and this is why there was like the messy stuff with like the Hmong marriage bill like so many 15 20 years ago 
Um, so you have to be married to like have shared assets or at least that's but what, a, but what about the divorce separation law? Like I, and, and I misspoke earlier, California does not have a common law, um, marriage, common marriage law either, but every, but the community property state means yeah, right. you have everything is split 50, 50 if, and when you do get divorced. I don't know if Minnesota has that. So for our among listeners. You should fact check that before you yes. get married. I would say that please do your research and do what is most comfortable for you at the end of the day, right? Like you have to feel good about whatever decisions you make. I didn't get a prenup, but I most likely will get a postnup. <laughs> and I say that only Ooh, because- Say more. What is that? But also for the record, I mean, I mentioned that Minnesota doesn't have the common law of marriage stuff. Because again, like I said, you have to be married to share assets. And if you're not, then you don't split anything. Yeah. So well, what's a postnup? Yeah, so it's similar to a prenup, but a post a, a postnuptial agreement is, is something that happens after you get married, right? Like in the case of a divorce, in the case of you know your partner passing away, like what's going to happen to the assets? What's going to happen to the, the to the marital debt? Whatever, right? I talk to Tong that I will get a postnup because I still have goals, you know, like I want to create my own business, and if I were to create my own business. I would want to make sure that like my partners in that business would have ownership over that business if something were to happen to me and Tong, like if we were to get a divorce or whatever, right? Like he's not going to own the business if he didn't do any part of supporting the business. Or if I were to write children's books, which I want to do, like the income will come to me. Like he's not going to be able to take the income from my books, right? So, you know, like, it's just these things that I'm thinking about the future and that, like, yes, if he is there to support in some ways, like, yeah, I I, I would share, you know, those ass- those future assets, but if they were in partnerships with other people, like, I would want to also make sure that my partners in the business would be protected in that sense, too. I think it's okay with it. I don't know. We probably will have to talk more about that. <laughs> Yes, tell us when you do it. I mean, I think just in general, it's important planning, especially now as like legally liable people, right? That like you're liable for Tong, Tong's liable for you. Yeah, absolutely. Your your assets, someone has to be responsible in case something happens, right? Like I I definitely know that for me and Nick, like we want to revisit all of that because, you know, there's just been a lot of like unfortunate deaths in our communities and our families. And that like, it has really made me question like, wow, like anything could really happen and you want to be prepared, right? It's like having that insurance policy for when you are happy and in a good mood, Liz, like it's, that's exactly it. That's why you have insurance. That's why you have, you know, marriage insurance. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Like you just want to be prepared for when and, and if the worst case scenario happens. Right. Um, so and, I, I feel like, yeah. yeah, it goes even beyond just yep. security, like, you know, for your own well-being, because it, it does get messy. Like, if if you die and, like, you have no one left to inherit, right? Like, who who is it going to go to? Is it going to go to your parents, Minya, or Tong's parents, right? Like, you know, um, like, I, I feel like I've been thinking about that a lot just now that we are formally legally married. Like, yeah. Life, life planning is hard and it's, it's scary and it's, you know, a lot, but like, I feel like, you know, as, as we grow up and as we just have these life goals, like, I think it's so important for everybody to just, you know, have those hard conversations. Um, cause you'd rather have them sooner than later. 
Yeah, yep. it sounds like part two should be putting wills together. Yes. <laughs> yes. I legit told that to Nick and he was like, dude, sure. nothing's going to happen. I'm like, you don't know that. <laughs> you really don't know that. Uh, just make sure you have a beneficiary for all of your accounts, okay? 100%. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it really is just about protection, right? Like, and making sure you have equal access to everything you've invested in. Um emotionally and physically, you know, or, you know, monetarily, right? Like I, I know a lot of women who've gone through divorces and have won their cases because they were like, I stood by you like for 10 years while you were in medical school and you're going to cheat on me. Like, fuck you. I'm going to take all your money. Like, absolutely. You should, you know, like even if you didn't earn that financially, like there's so much Tan like non-tangible investments that I feel like women are so deserving of, even though you can't quantify it. Um, I also feel like women's financial, women's earning power diminishes when they start having families, right? So like mm, yes. research has shown that when a couple gets divorced, like consistently women bear the brunt of these financial, the, the financial costs of not being able to or money because they decided to be stay-at-home moms or they decided to not, you know, continue with their career so that they can take care of their family. So then when they, you know, end up in a divorce, like, it, it hurts them so much more than it does men. That's why I'm always like, ladies, you got to protect yourself somehow, right? Like, if that's through a prenup, postnup, I don't know, yes. something, because you just never know. That's yeah. so true. I mean, I mean, even even while – sorry, go ahead, Liz. I was just saying, even if you continue working, um, when you have children, you pause and like you have less yep. career opportunities. And so, you know, your earning potential decreases, right? Um, e even if you like, can you continue that? But if you also, if you work, you have to hustle harder, right? And so that's hard too. And that should be compensated. Okay. Go ahead, Monica. No, that's exactly what I wanted to say that every relationship is different, right? There's no right or wrong, but ultimately our advice to women is protect yourself. <laughs> yep. That's right. Yeah. And thank you to our listener who actually sent us this BuzzFeed article about finances and relationships. Um, really want to thank, uh, first of all, thank you for continuing to support us, to listen to our podcast, uh, for continuing to follow us on social media. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you, you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, and if you have future topics for us to discuss, like please send them our way and we are more than happy to consider them for a future episode. So thank you all for spending time with us and we hope you have a great day. Woo, thanks y'all. Take care. Happy Bye. New Year. Woo.